0: First Reverie, Part Three of Reveries of a Bachelor, by Eke Marvel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Ashes, signifying desolation. After all, thought I, ashes follow blaze inevitably, as death follows life. Misery treads on the heels of joy, anguish rides swift after pleasure. Come to me again, Carlo said i to my dog and i patted him fondly once more but now only by the light of the dying embers it is very little pleasure one takes in fondling brute favourites but it is a pleasure that when it passes leaves no void it is only a little alleviating redundancy in your solitary heart-life which if lost another can be supplied but if your heart not solitary not quieting its humours with mere love of chase or dog not repressing year after year its earnest yearnings after something better and more spiritual has fairly linked itself by bonds strong as life to another heart is the casting off easy then is it then only a little heart redundancy cut off which the next bright sunset will fill up and my fancy as it had painted doubt under the smoke and cheer under warmth of the blaze so now it began under the faint light of the smouldering embers to picture heart desolation what kind congratulatory letters hosts of them coming from old and half-forgotten friends now that your happiness is a year or two years old beautiful ay to be sure beautiful rich the dawdler how little he knows of heart-treasure who speaks of wealth to a man who loves his wife as a wife only should be loved young young indeed guileless as infancy charming as the morning ah these letters bear a sting they bring to mind with new and newer freshness if it be possible the value of that which you tremble lest you lose how anxiously you watch that step, if it lose not its buoyancy, how you study the colour on that cheek, if it grow not fainter, how you tremble at the luster in those eyes, if it be not the luster of death, how you totter under the weight of that muslin sleeve, a phantom weight, how you fear to do it, and yet press forward, to note if that breathing be quickened, as you ascend the home heights, to look off on the sunset lighting the plain is your sleep quiet sleep after that she has whispered to you her fears in the same breath soft as a sigh sharp as an arrow bid you bear it bravely perhaps the embers were now glowing fresher a little kindling before the ashes she triumphs over disease but poverty the world's almoner has come to you with ready spare hand Alone, with your dog living on bones, and you on hope, kindling each morning, dying slowly each night, this could be borne. Philosophy would bring home its stores to the lone man. Money is not in his hand, but knowledge is in his brain, and from that brain he draws out faster, as he draws slower from his pocket. He remembers, and on remembrance he can live for days and weeks. The garret, if a garret covers him, is rich in fancies. The rain, if it pelts, pelts only him, used to rain peltings. And his dog crouches, not in dread, but in companionship. His crust he divides with him, and laughs. He crowns himself with glorious memories of Cervantes, though he begs. If he knights it under the stars, he dreams heaven-sent dreams of the prisoned and homeless Galileo. He hums old sonnets and snatches of poor Johnson's plays. He chants Dryden's odes and dwells on Otway's rhyme. He reasons with Bolingbroke or Diogenes, as the humor takes him, and laughs at the world, for the world, thank heaven, has left him alone. Keep your money, old misers, and your palaces, old princes. The world is mine. I care not, fortune, what you me deny you cannot rob me of free nature's grace you cannot shut the windows of the sky you cannot bar my constant feet to trace the woods and lawns by living streams at eve let health my nerves and finer fibres brace and i their toys to the great children leave of fancy reason virtue naught can we bereave but if not alone If she is clinging to you for support, for consolation, for home, for life, she, reared in luxury, perhaps, is faint for bread? Then the iron enters the soul, then the nights darken under any skylight, then the days grow long, even in the solstice of winter. She may not complain. What then? Will your heart grow strong if the strength of her love can dam up the fountains of tears? and the tied tongue not tell of bereavement will it solace you to find her parting the poor treasure of food you have stolen for her with begging foodless children but this ill strong hands and heaven's help will put down wealth again flowers again patrimonial acres again brightness again but your little bessie your favourite child is pining would to god you say in agony that wealth could bring fullness again into that blanched cheek or round those little thin lips once more but it cannot thinner and thinner they grow plaintive and more plaintive her sweet voice dear bessie and your tones tremble you feel that she is on the edge of the grave can you pluck her back can endearments stay her business is heavy away from the loved child home you go to fondle while yet time is left but this time you are too late she is gone she cannot hear you she cannot thank you for the violets you put within her stiff white hand and then the grassy mound the cold shadow of headstone the wind growing with the night is rattling at the window panes and whistles dismally i wipe a tear and in the interval of my reverie, thank God that I am no such mourner. But gaiety, snail-footed, creeps back to the household. All is bright again. The violet bed's not sweeter than the delicious breath marriage sends forth. Her lip is rich and full, her cheek delicate as a flower, her frailty doubles your love. And the little one she clasps, frail too, too frail the boy you had set your hopes and heart on you have watched him growing ever prettier ever winning more and more upon your soul the love you bore to him when he first lisped names your name and hers has doubled in strength now that he asks innocently to be taught of this of that and promises you by that quick curiosity that flashes in his eye a mind full of intelligence and some hair-breadth escape by sea, or flood, that he perhaps may have had, which unstrung your soul to such tears, as you pray God, may be spared you again, has endeared the little fellow to your heart a thousandfold. And now, with his pale sister in the grave, all that love has come away from the mound, where worms feast, and centers on the boy. How you watch the storms, lest they harm him! how often you steal to his bed, late at night, and lay your hand lightly upon the brow where the curls cluster thick, rising and falling with the throbbing temples, and watch, for minutes together, the little lips, half-parted, and listen, your ear close to them, if the breathing be regular and sweet. But the day comes, the night rather, when you catch no breathing. Ay, put your hair away, compose yourself, listen again no there is nothing put your hand now to his brow damp indeed but not with healthful night's sleep it is not your hand no do not deceive yourself it is your loved boy's forehead that is so cold and your loved boy will never speak to you again never play again he is dead oh the tears the tears what blessed thing are tears never fear now to let them fall on his forehead or his lip lest you waken him clasp him clasp him harder you cannot hurt you cannot waken him lay him down gently or not it is the same he is stiff he is stark and cold but courage and patience faith and hope recovers itself easier thought i Then these embers will get into blaze again. But courage and patience, faith and hope, have their limit. Blessed be the man who escapes such trial, as will determine limit. To a lone man it comes not near, for how can trial take hold where there is nothing by which to try? A funeral? You reason with philosophy. A graveyard? You read Hervey and Muse upon the Wall a friend dies you sigh you pat your dog it is over losses you retrench you light your pipe it is forgotten calumny you laugh you sleep but with that childless wife clinging to you in love and sorrow what then can you take down seneca now and coolly blow the dust from the leaf-tops can you crimp your lip with voltaire can you smoke idly your feet dangling with the ivies your thoughts all waving fancies upon a churchyard wall a wall that borders the grave of your boy can you amuse yourself by stinging martial into rhyme can you pat your dog and see him wakeful and kind say it is enough can you sneer at calumny and sit by your fire dozing blessed thought i again is the man who escapes such trial as will measure the limit of patience and the limit of courage but the trial comes colder and colder were growing the embers that wife over whom your love broods is fading not beauty fading that now that your heart is wrapped in her being would be nothing she sees with quick eye your dawning apprehension and she tries hard to make that step of hers elastic. Your trials and your loves together have centered your affections. They are not now as when you were a lone man, widespread and superficial. They have caught from domestic attachments a finer tone and touch. They cannot shoot out tendrils into barren world soil and suck up thence strengthening nutriment. They have grown under the forcing-glass of home-roof, they will not now bear exposure you do not now look men in the face as if a heart-bond was linking you as if a community of feeling lay between there is a heart-bond that absorbs all others there is a community that monopolizes your feeling when the heart lay wide open before it had grown upon and closed around particular objects It could take strength and cheer from a hundred connections that now seem colder than ice. And now those particular objects, alas for you, are failing. What anxiety pursues you? How you struggle to fancy. There is no danger. How she struggles to persuade you. There is no danger. How it grates now on your ear, the toil and turmoil of the city. It was music when you were alone. It was pleasant, even, when, from the din, you were elaborating comforts for the cherished objects, when you had such sweet escape as evening drew on. Now it maddens you to see the world careless while you are steeped in care. They hustle you in the street, they smile at you across the table, they bow carelessly over the way. They do not know what canker is at your heart. The undertaker comes with his bill for the dead boy's funeral. He knows your grief. He is respectful. You bless him in your soul. You wish the laughing street-goers were all undertakers. Your eye follows the physician as he leaves your house. Is he wise, you ask yourself? Is he prudent? Is he the best? Did he never fail? Is he never forgetful? And now the hand that touches yours, is it no thinner, no whiter than yesterday? Sunny days come when she revives, color comes back, she breathes freer, she picks flowers, she meets you with a smile, hope lives again. But the next day of storm she is fallen, she cannot talk even, she presses your hand. You hurry away from business before your time. What matter for clients? Who is to reap the rewards? What matter for fame? Whose eye will it brighten? what matter for riches? Whose is the inheritance? You find her propped with pillows. She is looking over a little picture-book, be-thumbed by the dear boy she has lost. She hides it in her chair. She has pity on you. Another day of revival, when the spring sun shines, and flowers open out of doors. She leans on your arm, and strolls into the garden where the first birds are singing. Listen to them with her, What memories are in bird-songs? You need not shudder at her tears, they are tears of thanksgiving. Press the hand that lies light upon your arm, and you, too, thank God, while yet you may. You are early home, mid-afternoon, your step is not light, it is heavy, terrible. They have sent for you. She is lying down, her eyes half-closed, her breathing long and interrupted. She hears you. Her eye opens. You put your hand in hers. Yours trembles. Hers does not. Her lips move. It is your name. Be strong, she says. God will help you. She presses harder your hand. Adieu. A long breath. Another. You are alone again. No tears now. Poor man, you cannot find them. Again home early. There is a smell of varnish in your house. A coffin is there. They have clothed the body in decent grave clothes, and the undertaker is screwing down the lid, slipping round on tiptoe. Does he fear to waken her? He asks you a simple question about the inscription upon the plate, rubbing it with his coat cuff. You look him straight in the eye. You motion to the door. You dare not speak. He takes up his hat and glides out stealthful as a cat. The man has done his work well for all. It is a nice coffin, a very nice coffin. Pass your hand over it. How smooth. Some sprigs of mignonette are lying carelessly in a little gilt-edged saucer. She loved mignonette. It is a good stanch table the coffin rests on. It is your table. You are a housekeeper a man of family i of family keep down outcry or the nurse will be in look over at the pinched features is this all that is left of her and where is your heart now no don't trust your nails into your hands nor mangle your lip nor grate your teeth together if you could only weep another day the coffin is gone out the stupid mourners have wept What idle tears! She, with your crushed heart, has gone out. Will you have pleasant evenings at your home now? Go into your parlour that your prim housekeeper has made comfortable with clean hearth and blaze of sticks. Sit down in your chair. There is another velvet-cushioned one, over against yours, empty. You press your fingers on your eyeballs, as if you would press out something that hurt the brain, but you cannot your head leans upon your hand your eye rests upon the flashing blaze ashes always come after blaze go now into the room where she was sick softly lest the prim housekeeper come after they have put new dimity upon her chair they have hung new curtains over the bed they have removed from the stand its vials and silver bell they have put a little vase of flowers in their place THE PERFUME WILL NOT OFFEND THE SICK SENSE NOW. THEY HAVE HALF OPENED THE WINDOW, THAT THE ROOM SO LONG CLOSED MAY HAVE AIR. IT WILL NOT BE TOO COLD. SHE IS NOT THERE. O GOD, THOU WHO DOST TEMPER THE WIND TO THE SHORN LAMB, BE KIND. THE EMBERS WERE DARK. I STIRRED THEM. THERE WAS NO SIGN OF LIFE. MY DOG WAS ASLEEP. The clock in my tenant's chamber had struck one. I dashed a tear or two from my eyes. How they came there I know not. I half ejaculated a prayer of thanks, that such desolation had not yet come nigh me, and a prayer of hope that it might never come. In a half hour more I was sleeping soundly. My reverie was ended. End of First Reverie Part 3